0: Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 14. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's Community Manager, and on today's podcast, Judy, Barbara, and Sheila join me to talk about the top 10 questions our Sunlight advisors and curriculum consultants get asked on the phone, at conventions, and online. We will talk about everything from time management and homeschooling with toddlers in the house, to creating high school transcripts and homeschooling a strong-willed child. Sometimes it's just nice to sit down with someone who's been there, done that, to pick their brain and learn from their experience. In this episode, our three veteran homeschool moms answer all kinds of questions about home education. Listen in as Sheila, Barbara, and Judy share their stories from their own homeschool journeys, as well as offering answers and suggestions to your common questions and concerns. Join me as we turn the page on this topic. Hello, welcome to your top 10 questions about homeschooling and homeschooling with Sunlight. I'm so happy that you've joined us today. I'm, I'm Stephanie Rose. I'm the community manager at Sunlight. Today, I'm joined by Judy Sheila and Barb. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their experience homeschooling and then we'll get in homeschooling and then we'll get started. So Barbara, why don't you start?
1: Sure. Um, yes, I'm, I'm Barbara. I've been an advisor with Sunlight for uh, about 18, 19 years. Um, I've personally used Sunlight with my two boys from uh, pre-k to 12th grade. Um, they've long graduated. They, we only use Sunlight all their, their entire education. Uh, my baby back then is now 25, my oldest is 30, and I've got two granddaughters. <laughs> That's my story. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Sheila, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Okay, great. Um, I have three, three kids, two boys and a girl. Um, we started with Sunlight, well, we started homeschooling. We started with Sunlight, and that was back in 2000. So I used Sunlight for all 18 years of our homeschooling journey. My oldest son did want to go to high school, so we sent him to a small Christian school for high school, but the other two homeschooled all the way through. And now two have graduated from college, and one is still, she's in her sophomore year.
3: Judy, welcome. Hey, Steph. So I'm a homeschooling mom of three, two girls and a boy, and all of mine have grown up too, and I have two beautiful, three now actually, we just had another one, three beautiful grandchildren. Um, I also uh, work for Sunlight full-time as the marketing sales coordinator. And if you've ever visited a homeschool convention, which we certainly hope and pray are going to be back next year, Um, You've probably seen Sheila, or me, or you may have seen Barb in the past, because we all have enjoyed uh, spending time talking to families at conventions. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining. We asked numerous people, what what questions do you have about Sunlight? And what questions do you have about homeschooling? How can we help um, you facilitate your year with your children and um, really make it worthwhile? And these are the questions we got. So let's dive in. The very first question we have, and the one we get the most, is how do you bring the most value out of your Sunlight Instructor's Guides? So I have one here. It's very large. But as the ladies talk, I'm going to show you a little bit about what the instructor guide looks like. And so anyway, does anyone want to
2: talk tips, tricks, how to use it, that kind of thing? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll start <laughs> I like it. Um, I loved the instructor's guide to me it was the uh, the most important piece of my sunlight curriculum. I love the books I love everything else but the sunlight instructors guide was my lesson plan it was my um, it, it had all the notes everything that I needed to be able to just open and go. So typically what I would do at the beginning of a school year, I would get my sunlight box and we would have our box day and it would be fun. And I would, this was back in the day before sunlight actually would, you know, you had the the option of having sunlight build the instructor's guide for you. I would have to build it myself. So I would take the time and do that and, and read all of the introductory notes and get familiar with what that year's instructor's guide held. And, um, and then one of the tricks that I would do Like Steph said that binder is a big old three inch binder and it's a little bit unwieldy. So what I would do is I would take a half inch binder and pull out week one pages and put that in my in my small binder, and I would call that my working binder, and I could carry that around with me. I would have my schedule page, so I knew exactly um, what the reading assignments were. I would have my notes with the questions, with the answers. It has vocabulary words that if I wasn't sure about something, I could look it up and get the definition on what a doublet is, or something like that. So. Um, Sunlight is a buffet so they really do give you a lot of information and so I would pick and choose the kinds of questions. We did not do every single question and every single mapping activity but I would pick and choose and I would take a highlighter and highlight the ones that I really wanted to make sure that we would hit so that way I wouldn't lose it I I wouldn't waste time having to sift through everything because it really is a very rich resource.
3: Absolutely. And don't worry if you don't cover all of those discussion questions. Right. Um, some kids need that prompt, or even if you as, as the teacher haven't had a chance to read the book, and you really need to know some questions to kind of find out how well they've uh, comprehended, um, but if you're reading along together and you can just naturally ask questions based on uh, what you're reading, you don't have to use every question or any of the questions in your instructor's guide it's very flexible
1: yep and you can just make up your own like say you're driving you know you're going to soccer practice and like oh yeah so you're just like hey what do you think of this character where do you think the story is going you can just make up you know random uh questions i kind of did what sheila did too with the uh instructor's guide a huge binder it's like overwhelming. You know, there's uh, like thousands of pages. You're like, it's, you know, like I've got to complete this in one year. Um, I was doing two programs at the same time. So I use a clipboard. I put all everything I needed for the entire week for both programs on a clipboard. So I was like, oh, this is all I have to think about this week, not the next, you know, 35. And so, yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's what we did.
0: I also want to tell you that you can download the first three weeks of any of these instructor guides we have. And I think if you go to sunlight.com slash IG, um, you can get to the page where you download
1: anything.
0: Can,
2: so, I, can I say one one more yeah. thing? The other way I learned how to kind of tweak it was um, sun- Sunlight has like every subject and things to do for each day. And so I call that working vertically day one day two, day three, but we we would like really get into a story or really get into um, Even our history. It's just so fascinating and the kids would beg for one more one more chapter mommy one more chapter. I mean, what, what is a mom to do? You have to read another chapter, right? So then you read like one or two more chapters. So now you're on day three of this book, but you know, you got to do dinner. So. so I would sometimes work horizontally mm-hmm. and I would just do several days worth work, worth, check those off. And then tomorrow, I wouldn't pick up that book. I would pick up the book that we didn't get to, and I would work horizontally that way. So it really is very flexible. Don't feel like you have to do every single task set out for the day. You, you, as long as by the end of the week, you have all, all your boxes checked off, you're on target.
3: And that's, that's a really good point, Sheila, talking about checking boxes off. If you're in a state that requires you to keep records of the work you're doing, Um, it's so easy to do with that schedule page. You can pencil the date in the corner of each box as you finish an assignment or put a check mark in or like Sheila said, she used a highlighter. I would sometimes highlight assignments when we were all done with them and the ones that I didn't want to do or we decided to skip for whatever reason, I would just put a slash or an x through the box. Lots of creative ways to make use of
1: that schedule. Yep. Yeah. just keep in mind it's not, um, it's just a guide. Don't feel it's your master, you know, it's it's not the gospel. You can change it. You can modify, edit, tweak, delete, anything that you need to. Remove a book, like, okay, you don't, you don't like this book for whatever reason, just put it on the shelf and go back to it. Well, I was going to um, add one more note on the, uh, in the language arts and the science um, guides, there are activity sheets, um, and the students use those uh, throughout the week, you know, maybe two sheets, one sheet. Um, so if you keep it in your binder, you have to take it in, take it out, get in, take it out, and the little holes get a little torn. So what I did is, I put uh, usually at the beginning of the year, I put all the activity sheets into like a little, um, a little binder or a little small notebook, like a paper class notebook. So it's like their notebooks. So everything's together and compact. And, and I was in possession of that, so that, you know, it wasn't lost somewhere under the desk or whatnot. So yeah, just a little organizing tip.
0: Absolutely. I think those are great tips. Thank you, ladies. Um, Let's talk, let's talk about the next question. So this one is how to adapt your curriculum for a child with learning challenges. So Sheila, I know that you um, have spoken about this before. Learning challenges might be struggling reader, dyslexia, gifted students, even anything that's not like sort of status quo. Can you tell us a little bit about how you can do that?
2: Yeah, so I, I've already said I have three kids. So the oldest and the youngest are both dyslexic, but of course I didn't know that when I started homeschooling. So my oldest, we were learning to read and things were, We you know, it was a struggle. We eventually got there, but he was really, um, Well, first of all, when we started, we we didn't have like the K level and the first, second, third, you know, we didn't have the various reading levels that we have now. So when we started, um, he quickly progressed through, by the time we got to level D in third grade, he had come out of what is now the grade two readers. So from grade two to to level D, it's a huge jump. So what I did then was we just slowed things down. I didn't let him do the reading readers. I went to the library. I had to supplement with more of the like level two type books, those those short chapter books with pictures and stuff. And I just found extra books. You know, there's lots of frog and toad, lots of those kinds of books. And I I just slowed things down for him. But I didn't want him to miss any of the fun readers. So I just read those aloud. Um, So one of the things that I would say is if you have a struggling reader, you're, it's not, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. So slow things down. Meet, meet, meet your child where they are and you can match their level to where they're at and it's okay. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is read aloud. Um, I talk to people in the booth all the time who say, oh, well, my child's dyslexic, so we can't do a book curriculum. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you why you can do a book curriculum, because you're doing the majority of the reading. It's not at their reader level anyway in the early years. So you're reading Bible, you're reading history, you're reading science, you're reading all that stuff aloud. And if you need to keep reading it, you know, a, a, a child who doesn't struggle can start reading that stuff for himself somewhere around third grade, but I just kept reading aloud. And I also had youngers who were, who were following along with me anyway. So I needed to read to them. So we just read aloud all that um, spines, all, all the spine work we did together. And with my youngest, she ended up staying home for homeschooling. I mean, for, for high school. And I kept reading aloud to her. So I read aloud her history spine in high school. So it's okay if you don't stop, reading aloud just keep reading aloud um, and then the other point that I wanted to make is that my middle son he's not dyslexic and he is gifted and so then I had a different problem with him like he would read all the books and be like okay mommy now what so I um, What do you do? You let them go at their own pace. He was four years old when he wanted to do what his older brother was doing at six. So I would just, I was like, okay, here's a math workbook. So we started with the Singapore math kindergarten when he was in fourth, when he was four. And I thought, if we repeat it next year, I'm just trying to keep him busy. So if we repeat it next year, fine. And he did great. So the following year, I gave him the level one. And he did great. And the next year, he did level two. So he actually completed it way before. I mean, I think he got through 6B in fifth grade, and then started with algebra, skip pre-algebra. You know. So you just let them work ahead if that's where they're at. There's no reason to hold them back. Um, and there's also no reason to push them. And then as far, far as books go, um, he loved the Clyde Bulla books. And so I just went to my library and found all kinds of other books by the same author that weren't already in the Sunlight curriculum. We do have a lot of his books in the curriculum, so I had to be careful. Um, but he loved Encyclopedia Brown. There were like dozens, dozens of Encyclopedia Brown books. So that is some, something else you can do. Find a favorite author of his from the Sunlight curriculum and find what other books there are and just give them more to, to read it's not a problem.
3: The nice thing about a literature-based curriculum um, for students who have learning challenges, whether um, they're struggling or whether they're racing ahead, is unlike a textbook, they don't have to keep up with a certain uh, pace of a chapter or a lesson a day. Mm -hmm. Like Sheila said, you adapt that to where they are. I had one student who actually did not become an independent learner until he was seven, eight, nine years old and so and even after that he struggled and so instead of reading all the readers that were scheduled we read every other one and sometimes if a book was really difficult I would sit next to him and we would partner read. He would read what was on the page on the left hand side and I would read what was on the page on the right hand side and so there's so many ways that you can adapt a literature-based curriculum because it is so flexible.
1: My boys were um, were both avid readers, um, so we always get the question as an advisor, um, like, should I tell, let my child read ahead? You know, they finish the book for the day, like, okay, they're you know they're clamoring to read like another book. Um, I would say like, yeah, just let them read. It's fine. It's it's okay. You know, so that's what I let my boys just read. Um, but then we're at the library, like you, Sheila, like we would go and literally come back with twenty five books you know, and like, okay, like, and I'll just let them read, 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 whatever, you know, when I was making dinner just to, you know, have them continue reading, so, and so, yeah, like, uh, like Judy said, you just let them go at their pace, and, um, and my kids were absolutely fine with rereading the same book, like, five times, uh, I asked my son one time, I said, you know, are you good with reading, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Narg- Narg- like, five times, so, oh, yeah, mom, because every time I read, read it, I get something else out of it, something mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. something more, it's like, yeah, yeah. Go
2: ahead, Sheila. Um, at the high school level, there are a lot of books. And now they're not short chapter books, they're long chapter books, and they're hard books. Some of them are, you know, just like mentally um challenging. So one of the things that I did for my daughter, because she did home homeschool through high school with sunlight, was I lightened her load. So I remember um I think it was core 300 when when we did that level, there are history novels and then there's literature novels and and there's a lot of them. So I literally cut out all of the history novels. She just, we, we read, I read aloud the history spine from 300 and um, and then we even further cut down the literature selection for her English class. And the reason I felt confident doing that is the boy that went, to co- that went to that private school, she was in 10th grade when she did 300. He had already finished 12th grade and he had taken AP Lit at this school and they read six books in AP Lit 12th grade. So I said, If my daughter, who is dyslexic and is in 10th grade, reads six books, that's practically AP level. So anything above that is just total gravy. So I felt very confident cutting out half of the books for English and still giving her a full English credit for that.
3: And there are kids who have challenges with lots of other things outside of reading, kids who have challenges, uh, find motor skill issues with writing and um, just, Difficulty focusing and there are just so many ways to adapt that that homeschooling gives you the freedom to do Um, One of my kids had uh, Fine motor skill issues, and so I taught him to type when he Mm -hmm. was in third grade Um, I'm I'm all for learning how to write well and to have neat handwriting but in his case he would be focusing so hard on how to correctly hold the pencil that any creativity went out the window, um, and once I taught him to type, then it just set loose his ability to be creative in his writing, and so lots of ideas um, for adapting all aspects of homeschooling, because you have the freedom to do so.
2: Yes.
0: All very good advice. Thank you. Let's move to explaining sunlight's Um, language arts and how it works, maybe discussing the philosophy between Sunlight's language arts and other language arts programs. Um, We get a lot of questions about our language arts program, so let's talk about it. Judy,
3: you want to start. Sure. So um, I remember very clearly doing language arts when I was in school and diagramming sentences and underlining nouns and circling verbs and putting a box around adjectives. And in all honesty, um, though writing is not something I struggle with now. I, I don't think that it's because of the way I was taught to write and do language arts. Um, I think some kids just naturally, write well and can express themselves well and some kids struggle. Sunlight has what is referred to as a more natural approach um, to learning things like grammar and uh, writing and a lot of it has to do with um, the integration between the language arts and the literature. And so as they're reading a good book, We do what's called copy work in the lower levels and dictation in the the upper levels because kids learn to write well by mimicking good writers. And so we might pull a passage um, out of scripture or a well-known poem or from a book that they've been assigned to read. And the first day they read it over and they copy it down um, and then they look at it and we identify things like punctuation and sentence structure And then by the end of the week, we expect them to be able to write it on their own um, as we dictate it or as they read it off a page. Um, That constant reinforcement of mimicking good writing really does work. It absolutely does. And so I think that's one um, very big component of Sunlight's language arts program that is different from what a workbook-based or a textbook-based language arts might present.
1: Yeah, it also includes. Um, uh, Judy mentioned, I think, copy work and uh, grammar and such. It also has public speaking. Uh, the students memorize um, scripture, and then they have at some point, sometime during the year, they have to make a presentation. Uh, my oldest, um, uh, he, I think, he memorized Psalm twenty-four one year, and so I asked the pastor at our church. You know, if he could actually say that in front of the whole congregation on Sunday morning, so he did. So there's different opportunities for them for that. Um, it also includes um, uh, spelling uh, in, in the younger grades, um, and so with spelling uh, we have uh, assignments in there, but they also are going to pick up spelling naturally from a reading. And like Judy said, they're integrated with the readers, language arts, and uh, and uh, readers integrated because. Once they read a word, for example, like the word speech, yes, you know, they learn how to spell it, S-P-E-E-C-H, if, they, if they're writing it and they write it like, or they see it with E-A-H, they just look at it visually, it's like, that doesn't look right. They have visual memory of words on pages, you know, when they start writing. So that helps with spelling too, just reading. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we've got, uh, and activity sheets are in there, you know, for language arts, which, and they're very, um, it's more of a gentle approach and, and natural learning. And um, so it's not like uh, just, you, know, you know, over and over, lots and lots and lots of assignments every day, like a lot of drudgery. It's going to be short, simple, spiral, um, you know, uh, assignments that are that's going to be covered again, you know, over the years. You know, they don't have to memorize verbs when they're in first grade and second grade. They're going to cover it over and over again. Um, and then uh, we have uh, grammar aids, for example. They're between fourth and seventh grade. They will get a one-year full grammar program without diagramming you know, and any time between four things,
2: that was great. So like Barb said, um, I like that it's a more natural approach. It doesn't feel so stilted, like, why do I have to do 20 sentences, like Judy said, of circling, you know, the, the noun or whatever. I like that it's taken from the books that they're actually reading or scripture, and it just feels more like relevant, like, oh, okay, I need to know what a metaphor is because Clearly, it's in literature, I'm going to be encountering it, so it's important to know. Um, So when it's modeled for you in that way, then the assignment doesn't feel like drudgery. The other thing, um, we do offer optional workbooks in the younger years, and I get asked a lot, what is this, do I need it? And I share that I did use it with my younger children because, because my kids are all two years apart. So when we started, I had a kindergartner, a two-year-old, and a baby. And then, you know, as we progressed. So when I needed to be able to work with one of the children one-on-one, I had something that I could hand to a child and say, do three pages of this, because otherwise I would lose them to the Lego bin and I couldn't get them back. So I wanted I wanted busy work. It is busy work. Um, And that's one of the things I love about homeschooling is that we don't need to use a lot of busy work, but sometimes we do need a little bit of busy work that they can do independently. It is is worthwhile. It isn't just coloring or tracing something. So it is helpful, but it's not necessary. I have found that my kids have tremendous vocabulary, not because we did Wordly Wise, but because we read aloud so much so much to, to the point that my son who just graduated from college would sometimes get teased because he was so pretentious and he's like, I'm just, I'm just talking like that's part of his vocabulary because it's just so natural and not because he did workbook after workbook of vocabulary building.
0: It's very true. We always say like readers become excellent writers. It's not about when you're circling things in a sentence.
1: Yeah, because right. they're modeled good, good writing in the literature they're reading, you know. Yeah. Um, and it also includes uh, in the language arts, we also have handwriting, but it's not included per se, it's a separate add-on, but there are going to be writing, you know, in the language arts program. Um, and then there's, you know, I mentioned thinking and speaking, um, and um, writing mechanics. So it's a it's a full comprehensive language arts program um, with a gentle approach. Absolutely. That's excellent. So
0: let's talk about strong-willed question or strong-willed questions. Let's talk about strong-willed children, since that's what we're here to talk about. We get this question a lot. Um, how do you, you know, especially coming from you weren't teaching your children, or you're a new home, your child is in kindergarten, or you're, you know, you're just dealing with that age, we all know, we all know it kind of comes through. Um, what kind of Things can we do to um, overcome any issues we might have with children who maybe just want to fight back a little bit? Judy,
3: why don't you start? Well, first of all, I would say um, being strong-willed is not a bad thing. Um, it's not horrible if you have strong-willed children because that strength of will as they grow older will be what drives them um, and directs them to be a motivated um, world changer for lack of a, a better term. And so don't ever try to uh, train it out of your child is what I guess I'm saying. It's not a bad thing. The I challenge- I, have, I have
0: a tween girl uh-huh. and I have to catch myself. I always say you'll be an excellent leader someday. That's right. Because <laughs> I'm really <laughs> like,
3: ah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's not so much about, squashing that independence as it is harnessing it and giving it some direction and i think when i learned to keep that in mind because i had one of those kinds of children keeping that in mind and also keeping in mind that when that child and i would come face to face or butt heads it wasn't personal this was not a child who was saying i hate you and you don't know what you're doing even though those words may have come out of that that child's mouth on occasion, that's it really is not personal. It's more about a child who is um, pushing the boundaries because that child is driven to learn more and, and that's your more passionate child. And so I think um, it's good to keep those things in mind, especially in the heat of the moment. Um, and I think some of the things that we did was when we were in the heat of the moment, um, I had a very, very good friend who is a mama to 11 children and was just a mentor for me. And she used to say to me, don't ever address an issue in the heat of the moment. If you need to look at your child and say, I need to not look at your face for 10 minutes. So you go do this and I'm going to go do this. And whatever you send them to do, you need to go and get on your knees and say, God, I need wisdom for this. I need wisdom, so that you can then come back with that child, and whatever form of discipline, and notice I'm not saying punishment, I'm saying discipline, um, whatever form of discipline you have decided on with your spouse um, can then be meted out, but the idea being that discipline means we learn from an experience, and then we move on. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about teamwork and how your behavior affects the whole rest of the family. So if you can't get your schoolwork done, then everyone else suffers because we can't go do whatever. And so teamwork was a big thing in our house. Um, We all are responsible for making this household run smoothly. So I'm sure that Barb and Sheila have other tips, but those were a couple of the things that Um, We just had to keep in mind on a regular basis. And I will tell you that today, that strong-willed child of mine is one of the children that I am the closest to um, because we spent so many hours face-to-face and nose-to-nose wrestling through some of those difficult things. But I will tell you, God was good. And there would be times when we would finish with a hard conversation and I would say to that child, Um, I need, I need some time. Um, You need to go deal with this. And every single time that child would come back to me, sometimes five minutes later, sometimes not for two hours or three hours later, but that child always came back with a repentant spirit. And that was a gift
1: from God. Yeah. And like like Judy said, go ahead, Sheila. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) And like Judy said, you have to keep in mind, it's still, even though you're homeschooling you're still re- building relationships with your kids, you know, ultimately, um, that goes into adulthood and like any relationship that needs to be fostered and worked through and hard times and great times. And it's, you know, sometimes struggle, sometimes not, but it's, um, and prayer, you know, obviously that, um, that will get us all through lots of things. Um, as far as ideas, like maybe they're strong will, cause maybe they're, um, they're struggling with something, you know, maybe something internal and they just, they're, you know, maybe it's like they don't, they math is being done too late in the day, you know, it's like that's like a struggle for them because their brains are tired, and so maybe like changing the schedule up, maybe doing math in the morning, and um, that sort of thing. So, but just keeping it, you know, fun and <laughs> trying to have some lots of laughs and stuff to to break the tension sometimes. Um, yeah, there's some. Facts.
2: Yeah, yeah. Along those lines, I was gonna say um, it's wise to pick your battles. Like not everything is a hill worth dying on. So know what things are non-negotiable and then other things maybe let go. Um, there are some days where you're gonna focus on building character over curriculum. So there are some times where you just put, put the books away and a change of pace, whether you go for a bike ride or something like that, cause you're not going to teach a child who doesn't want to do it, you know? So it could just be they're having a bad day, you might be having a bad day. Maybe you need a timeout. Um, you know, so there, there are things like that. I mean, you know, that, that does happen. Um, I think part of it, too, could be that um, a child who is like that likes to know what to expect. So having some sort of structure to your day and, you know, the instructor's guide helps because you know kind of what you're going to be doing, but maybe the child doesn't know. So if you have a whiteboard or... You print out the plan of the day or whatever you want to call it so that the child kind of knows what to expect. And it's not going to be school for eight hours. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to take a break. We're going to do this. We're going to have a snack. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Then we'll break for lunch. And just knowing a little bit of what's coming might help with some of the resistance that your child may, may be having.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then one last thing on that, just give them something that they love doing, whether it's playing with Legos, you know, or building a computer. And it's like, hey, when you get this done, you know, then you can go do that. So there's some, some reward per se for that. Right.
0: Absolutely. So this next question, I think we already sort of talked about, but we're going to address it just, just quickly. Um, we get a lot of questions of share a day in the life. So what might sunlight look like? In your home and I think Sheila and Barb basically address this but maybe just a quick little overview of um, what the day might look like. Sheila do you want to go ahead and take this one?
2: Sure, Um, we've done different things over the years because again as kids get older or you add more to the mix things are going to change so some of the things that we have done was to alternate table and couch subjects um, so we would do math first, then we'd take a break and go, go do history, and then we would come back and do handwriting or language arts or whatever, and then go back and do, and do science. Um, another thing that we did was to do block scheduling. So we would do history on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then we would do science on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So on, on a history day, we would do a double day of reading. So we would read whatever was assigned for Monday and Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, we would do Mondays and Tuesdays science reading. And that, that helped to kind of just have less books to open and find your page and where am I and things like that, that, that helped to stream, streamline things. Another thing we did very effectively was to do, we, we would reserve the read aloud book for bedtime stories. So that, that would be a way that dad could participate. He would put the kids to bed. That would be my time to like, I'll clean the kitchen. You go do the bedtime routine and read the story. And I, I had been reading all day. So he gave me a break. Another thing we, we did when science, my husband is an engineer. I'm not. So when science became like, I don't want to do any more science, I delegated that to him and we picked Tuesday night as science night. And so my husband would do all the science experiments. They would discuss the books, you know, the, the activities and things like that. It wouldn't be the way I would do it, but it's the way he chose to do it. And I had delegated it to him. So it really, I mean, depending on the season that you're in and your gifting and all that, it, it can be anything really.
1: Yeah, it can vary. And we did something similar. Um, What I tried to do was, um, you know, get it before they did, because that kind of gave me a little bit of uh, time to um, to just devote to not talking to anybody else, kind of get the day, (laughs) kind of get the day, you know, structured. Uh, But we would do like, I would make breakfast and I would read Bible during breakfast time. So when they were eating, so they couldn't talk. So I would then be, you know, reading Bible to them. Um, as we, I, I did two programs, so I only, I only chose one Bible to read, after, you know, the uh, assignments. Um, and then we would set, we would do math. So we would do the table work first because my kids did better with that in the morning versus in the afternoon. So they would do math. My oldest in his room, my youngest at the kitchen table with me. Um, short breaks in between. Um, then we moved to language arts usually, tried uh, table work again. Um, break, uh, snack. Snacks were important in our family. I knew that when they got grouchy, it was something or they <laughs> it was because he did some cheese or peanut butter. Um, and then we did um, science usually. Uh, and then after lunch, we would do the read-alouds. Um, and mostly history. And then read-alouds. And if the day got away, like usually, Sheila, we would do in the evening for read-aloud time or my husband. Uh, a couple years, I would give my husband a stack of books at the beginning of the year. Um, six, seven books. Like just read them whenever. It doesn't matter when you read them. I don't care what questions you ask. I don't care where you read them. Just read them. So that worked out, that worked out well for that too. That was, I bet again, that's, you know, uh, the, like it would look nice to look like that every day, but it doesn't happen. Um, and so sometimes um, you need to change your expectations a little bit and be very flexible with with uh, things.
0: Very good. Let's talk a little bit about time management. That's another question we get. Um, for both the student and the teacher, I know Judy has talked a lot about time management. So I was hoping you could address uh, this one a little bit.
3: Sure. I think time management um, is going to come easier to some people and not so naturally to others. And so you may say, well, I don't need any help with time management because I always get things done on time. And and that's wonderful if that's um, your bent. But for people um, who struggle with keeping their time organized, um, again, that whole teamwork mentality comes in. I started with my kids at a very young age, helping them learn to manage their time. And it might've even just been, here's what I need you to do before breakfast. And so I would give them one or two uh, projects or assignments for each day. I need you to make your bed. I need you to make sure all your dirty clothes are in your hamper or whatever. And so I think it becomes a matter of figuring out what the priorities are during the day. Um, What can you not miss during the day? Um, for us, math was always a priority. If we skipped a day of math and we struggled to uh, remember what we had done two days before. So I think you have to start off by saying what are the priorities for the day. We can't miss these no matter what. And yet the flip side of that coin is you have to remember that life happens. Your car is going to get a flat tire. Your child is going to get sick and need to go to the doctor. Your husband is going to tell you, I absolutely need you to go to the store and get this for me today. It can't wait till tomorrow. And so you have to um, work on having a schedule. And like Sheila said, setting the expectation for the day is one of the best ways to manage your time, but you also have to hang on to that schedule very loosely and realize that Sometimes life is just going to happen, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Um, So I think it becomes a matter of setting goals, setting priorities, um, getting your kids on board with, we're working on this together, and then realizing that life happens.
2: I think to add to that, what I would say is, I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration of um, a glass jar and you put in the big rocks and then the little rocks fill in in between. And if you try to do the little rocks first, the big rocks don't fit. So I would say put your big rocks in first. So so do the hard things first. Once you get those hard things out of the way. So if math is your hard thing, if writing is your hard thing, science is your hard thing, like, do those hard things first. And that way, the rest of the day feels like it's a reward. It's, you know, it's all downhill. Save, save the, the fun things for last. Because everyone wants to sit around and listen to a read aloud while they play with their Legos. Not everyone wants to sit and work their math problems. So get, get those um, hard, hard things out of the way first. I've already mentioned the work horizontally versus vertically and try using block scheduling that really does um, streamline your time because you're not like, okay, now now this subject, okay, now that subject and web page and things like that. So that that saves time. Um and then the other thing that I would do for one child that did not work for the other child is to use a timer. So I would be like, "Okay, see if you can do all your math problems." Then set the timer, and they would race the timer. My mm-hmm. daughter would freak out, "No, mommy, I'm not gonna do it!" You know, and she <laughs> it would just stress her out. So, timer didn't work for that child, but it might work for for one. You know, so trying the different things, yeah, and, and go
1: with what works. That's Ooh. great. Oh, do that. I would add also, um, turn off your phone. You know, for yourself, just drop the. Yeah. That. It's so liberating to not have it on and be distracted. Yes. Cause distractions, you know, are distractions. Turn off the computer, turn off your laptop. And for your child, you know, with us, like we, well, electronics back then were not a thing for most of their uh, schooling, but turn off the computer, like they would have to do their work in, a, in an environment that didn't have any electronics for them to, you know, gravitate towards, you know, the iPad or, um, you know, Nintendo, whatever. Um, and then for high school, for us, what I did, I was kind of more hands-off for my kids for their time management. Um, if they and it took me a while to let them do the schoolwork when they wanted to, so they would maybe be up until midnight, you know, doing their math or doing their writing assignments. Whenever so in high school, I kind of let them do their thing as long as everything was done by Friday, and I would go to bed. It was like not my problem because when they got to college, like I was not be going going over there saying you need to do your schoolwork. They had to figure it out. So um, those are some, just some ideas.
0: So the next question we get a lot is what to do with the vor- voracious reader, and we kind of talked about that, right? Like go to the mm-hmm. library, have them read ahead, do their own pace, that kind of thing. Any additional mm-hmm. tips on that one, or do you
1: think we kind of covered it? I think we're good, except I would add one more thing, um, and have them, uh, as far as books and library, have them have them read. If you have other uh, levels, the read alouds, you know. So if you have a library in your house already, just let them pick whatever, you know. Um, from, from yeah, those
0: mind. books are kind of vetted and uh, family-friendly, so read ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the next question is, how do I get schoolwork accomplished with older children when I have toddlers or babies? This is a question we get a lot. We address it a lot. Uh, tips and tricks, anything.
1: Well, have for a me, um, let's go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, For me, my youngest was uh, a baby when we started. Um, My oldest was in kindergarten. And it was a little bit easier then because he loved to take naps. He would take like two, two two-hour naps during the day. (laughs) (laughs) He was such a good sleeper. And then like 10 hours at night practically. So he slept all the time. And so that was easy. Um, When he quit taking naps, I was like, oh, now what? So um, I tried to have him on my lap, you know, have little fun things, a little basket of something, something. Um food, snacks, that sort of thing, and even I would, I'm good with like educational DVDs, stick them in front of the TV, like I'm absolutely fine with that, so um, those are just some ideas that we did.
3: Judy, I know you had a tips and tricks too. Yeah, we had, every toddler in my house had a box, and that was their school box, and they weren't allowed to open that box any other time of day, except when siblings were doing school. And I would switch things out periodically, so they never knew what might be in there when they opened it. But and whether it meant they sat in a high chair while I worked with the older siblings, and they they worked on their uh, tray table or whatever, um, that was their school.
2: My other tip is to if you if you give your time to your youngest one first, usually like their loving cup gets full, and then they're fine. If if you are Always pushing them aside because you're dealing with the oldest ones, Mm -hmm. you know, you're homeschooling and teaching and stuff, then they're constantly clamoring for your attention. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just having some dedicated time. Okay, I'm going to do school with you now and then I have to do it with brother. Um, Because I had three, I would often use the boys to entertain the baby. So if I was working one-on-one with the oldest one with reading, then the middle one would have to go tell a story, sing a song with the baby and entertain the baby. And then I would switch. Then it'd be like, okay, it's Timothy's turn. Tommy, you, you go and, you know, play with the baby. Um, and then, as they got older, they got to practice reading aloud because they would read aloud to the preschooler or kindergartner or whatever. So I I mind my children and made them help co co teach with me. Yes,
0: absolutely. One of the so we have two more questions. One is how do I create transcripts using Sunlight High School programs? We get a lot of questions about high school. I think when parents start thinking about homeschooling, you know, the idea is that you would continue, but what does it look like in high school and how do I make sure that I'm doing exactly what I need to do so my children can go to college?
1: Well, the first thing, you know, we always say you want to check out your state requirements, what they need in your state. It's, home, it's legal to homeschool in every state, but they, they're going to differ. And then I even recommend going like ninth, ninth ninth grade, usually, if they are college bound, if that's their track, then even contact the colleges to see what they want on the transcript. Uh, or if they're on a tr- going to a trade school, whatever their, their career will be, whatever, kind of look at that. If they're going into the medical field, you know, you want to obviously do the higher level math, if they're going into, I mean the sciences, if they're going to be an engineering track, higher level math. Um, and then for to create a transcript, like for me personally, we just, I just, it was a Word document that I created from home, um, and I ninth, tenth, you know, all the different grades, one sheet of paper, and then the second sheet I had to notarize for my boys when they, um, you know, went to, uh, apply. Uh, sent those to the colleges. They put the SATs and, SA, you know, ACTs, that was on there. Um, somebody on their website has a, a loose sample of some of the credits that you could call the courses, um, you know, on there. But, you're, you know, you're free as the uh, admin of your school to really call, you know, call all, all the courses what you want. Um, but it's super simple. We, Sunlight has a college and career planning kit on the website. Um, we'll walk your student uh, from ninth grade to 12th grade. Uh, the first uh, whatever year, they would spend your reading or learning um, like, what is their uh, career, You know, what, what are their gifts and talents? What do they even maybe want to study or go into the field when they get older? And then the rest of it will, will help uh, the students and the parents walk through the high school years. It has notes about transcripts, SATs, college visits, um, scholarship, all that, so they use it over four years. That's, um, that's a real good resource uh, as well. Um, and you can call an advisor um, anytime. We've all uh, homeschooled our kids, they've all gone to college, I believe, not all of them, but um, we have some ideas on what you could put on a transcript. Um, so yeah, it's pretty simple.
2: You don't have to do it 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. You could just do it by subject. And that's, I chose to go that way. So I have math, English, social science, science electives. And that way, if a child did a high school level course in eighth grade, for example, math, if they did algebra one in eighth grade, I could still include that on their transcript because it's a high school level class that they took early. Um, The other thing that I did was um, I would would delineate where they took that class. So whether it was at home, whether it was at a co-op, whether it was a dual enrollment class with the community college, I had like a little superscript that would say what that was. That way they could see, oh this child took five classes at the community college and got A's in all those classes, that would help substantiate the other A's that I gave them as part of their homeschool classes. So that helped, I think, um, to kind of just validate the class a little bit. Um, I printed my daughter's and it is also a Word document. At the top, it says official transcript. So if you just put the word official, it's official.
1: Yeah, I did the same thing. I did actually a watermark a diagonally across the oh, back of it. It, <laughs> it says yeah. official transcript. Yeah, and we also <laughs> did the dual credit courses and I attached um, the transcript from the college to their own, their own transcript when they sent those off.
2: Yeah, yeah. and if you Google um, high school transcript, you'll see all kinds of templates that you could um, get ideas on how to make, you know, make yours. It's really not as scary as it sounds
0: i just want to say i found we found my husband's transcripts recently like when you know a few months ago and that looks way more official than the actual high school public high school transcripts we found the other day i was like wow anyway so thank you for that um the last question we have and possibly the most important one we've been getting recently is how do you transfer your student from public school to homeschool um, and then back to, home, uh, back to public school if that is the path you choose? How do you set that up?
1: Yeah, so I'll, um, I'll speak to that one because um, I'm an advisor and we've, we've been getting a lot of calls like that, like uh, Steph mentioned. And so parents are not, they're not sure, you know, what next year is going to look like. So I always tell them, like, don't, like, don't make a commitment, like, don't feel pressured to say, like, I'm going to homeschool for the next five years. You know, take it one year at a time. Um, but if they are going to go to school, like, contact the school that they might be going to. Find out what they will need, and what's really important is the math. Find out what's on the scope and sequence for their math level that they would need to cover for that year. Because some of our math programs, the scope and sequence is a little bit different than what a traditional math you program, know, um, Public school or private school would use. Mm-hmm. So take a look at that. Um, even the history, what they have to cover in English and that sort of thing, and kind of just get an idea. And then um, you know, co- look at ours and see if that's what we cover. You know, in those levels. Um, then you also may want to contact the school to see what kind of documentation they might need going back into the system. Maybe they need a transcript of some sort, even at the elementary level. Maybe they want to see, you know, what um, you know, what they covered with sunlight. Um, we have lots of documentation within the guides um, and, and that we can give you ideas on what you can submit to them for documentation if you need that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, just kind of find out, you know, do you, do they have to take a test, you know, when uh, when they go back in? Uh, some schools will just say, and every district is different. Everybody, everybody can decide what those rules will be when they go back in. And uh, sometimes just by age, they're like, oh, okay, we've got a seven-year-old, they're just going to Put them back in a you know second grade and see how it goes and you know evaluate after, um, but those just some ideas just so, so you're not like unprepared um, and go oh my gosh I didn't think you know I needed this and then at the last minute scramble to try to meet you know the requirements that you that you should have done before and also find out what your homeschool requirements are in your state um, beforehand you know from um, from the homeschool organization within your state or your country.
2: Well, I would like to add to that. Um, Take advantage of this time of having your child at home. If you, like Barb was saying, it's it's not a lifetime commitment just because we chose to homeschool All the way through. That doesn't mean that you have to do that, but if you have your child at home at least for the next six months, maybe you really focus on areas of weakness. Maybe they're struggling with their multiplication tables and you can get, you know, get that a little strengthened before they do go back into school. I would strongly urge you to do reading aloud. We've already mentioned the benefits of that, so spend a lot of time doing that. I would limit screen time because when they were in school, they didn't sit in front of a TV for six hours a day. They had books and things. I mean, they might have had some computer-type work, but um, but don't don't let them being home be um, time that they can just free-for-all watch TV or you know zone out with their iPad or whatever. So I would limit screen time. I would do a lot of reading aloud. I would encourage them to explore things that they might be interested in. If you have a child who's into nature or you know birds or butterflies or whatever, you can find books on that, go to a nature park, or just allow them to um, give them permission to be curious and explore.
1: Yeah, and I'll add, uh, a lady I spoke with this morning is a a customer that's thinking about homeschooling, Um, and I told her, I said, back, you know, back in 1995, when I started with Sunlight, I took it year to year, you know, and, and we didn't have, you know, at that time, you know, this situation now, but I, even back then, I just took it year to year, and it, first year went great, next year, uh, we'll see how it goes, and then we just stuck it out for all 12 years, yeah, so it's just a year-to-year year thing, no commitment, and it's okay. All right, well, that was our last question, 10 questions is a lot,
0: um, and I appreciate you ladies hanging in um, and g- filling us with your knowledge, we appreciate you.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Bye. Bye, guys.
2: Bye.